Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Lightning Round. Of course, I am Kevin Topkins with Andrew Cooper. Tonight, we have from Fantasy Life Newsletter, my fantasy newsletter, Compadre, quite possibly the most deceptively tall human on this earth, Mr. Sam Wallace. Sam, my friend, fellow Packer fan, how you doing? My man, it's good. Deceptively tall. That's that's a new one. I'm going to have to put that in my bio now. Like when we talk about athletes being like deceptively athletic, I'm just going to have to put that I'm deceptively tall now and see how that works, at least until we all hang out again at the expo this summer. Yeah, we'll have reason, reasonable Kevin Thomas, Kevin Tompkins, and then deceptively tall Sam Wallace. I love it. Mix it, right, put it, put it right in there. Do it for the brand. I love it. No, <laughs> thank, you, thank you guys so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. It's, it's going to be a good time. Absolutely, hundred percent. And uh, Coop, it's it's really good to know that after what two years, you still don't even know my last name. I dude, I I <laughs> in the best part, I think I just called you Thomas, dude. But how many times have I said it with an H in there? Like I just brutal. I even actually, I, I just texted Britt the other day and spelled her last name wrong too. I'm just so bad with that, man. I I need spell correct on everything, grammarly on everything. Just I need I need bubble wrap, dude. I need hand holding. That's what I need. What you need is you need a fantasy alarm to like commission like somebody behind you to just correct you at every turn. Just every step of the way, dude. Every time I bring up Evan Ingram, be like, no, stop. Exactly. Or this other guy who we will be talking about today because we will be talking about plant your flag players for 2022. We'll be talking about some ADP uh, from underdog fantasy. And of course, use promo code alarm for up to a $100 deposit match on underdog uh, fantasy dot com doing a lot of drafts uh the puppy is now open five dollars uh for your chance at the top prize which is seventy five thousand. of course best ball mania 3 is going strong as well uh so make sure that you know you don't even have to join the tournaments you could just join you know a three dollar a five dollar best ball i mean can't beat it so let's talk about some plant your flag players. Uh, we will let you, Sam, uh, go first here. Uh, so who are you planting your flag on for 2022? Let's talk some football. Yeah, when when you sent me this show topic, I was excited because I feel like I've been doing quite a bit of research. If you follow me over on Twitter, just with some different different players, a lot of wide receivers lately. That's that's where I've tended to. Um, I guess I kind of found my wheelhouse with wide receivers, at least the last few off seasons. There's just so many of them. And as the league gets more pass happy, there's just so many options to study. First guy I'm going to go with, again, if you've been kind of following along with some of my stuff, might not be a big surprise, but I'm going to go with Russell Gage. Um, currently ADP per underdog, I just checked before the show, he's going off the board at wide receiver 44. So right off the bat, um, he's already going later than his finishes over the last two seasons. He's averaged over 100 targets the last two years. And I know whenever a wide receiver switches teams, if you miss the news, he's going to be, at least to start the season, probably the number two target for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. There's always a little bit of, you know, concern of how effective a wide receiver can be or will be when you switch teams but he arguably gets an upgrade in every in every facet uh upgrade at quarterback the falcons have been pretty pass heavy but the buccaneers were the most pass heavy team last year and the opportunity i think especially early on is going to be there because chris godwin um signed that massive extension this offseason but he's also recovering from an acl tear and i think there's an even odd chance that he starts the season on the pup so if he misses the first six weeks or is limited in any fashion, I think even if he's good to go week one, the opportunity for Gage will still be there. And so again, he's going later than he's ever finished the last two years. He's been a good volume guy when called upon. And I even just looked over the second half of last year over an eight game sample from weeks 11 to 18. So about half the season, he was top eight at the wide receiver position in targets, receptions, receiving yards and target share. 
And yeah, you could argue that, you know, he was kind of forced into that position, but he demonstrated he could be a volume guy. He could be a very productive wide receiver. Um, and there's just a lot to like on that Tampa Bay offense. They pulled Brady back out of retirement. They're going to run it back. They're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. Hopefully make a good playoff run again. Um, and he's going to be a key part of that offense. And I think at wide receiver 44 prices, you can get a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three on an explosive offense. I'm, I'm all in there. Yeah. I mean, not only does he get to start as the number two guy opposite Mike Evans, but when I look at teams and to try and decide if the wide receiver three is going to be someone I'm interested in, the first thing I do is look and see what other personnel they have in terms of like fullbacks, second tight ends. Like if you look at a team like the Ravens, they use so many two tight end sets, so many fullbacks. Every time that, you know, Patrick Ricard comes in the game, a wide receiver comes out. Every time uh, Nick Boyle comes in, a wide receiver comes out. This team, not a fullback on the roster. And as of right now, not even starting starting tight end, right? Like we assume Gronk's going to come back. And if that's the case, then it's probably going to be, a you know, to start uh, Evans and Gage. And then even down the stretch, a lot of 11 personnel where he's on the field a ton. We saw Antonio Brown do fine in, in that role. We saw uh, even, even with a limited uh, snap share, uh, Antonio Brown had the highest uh, you know, points per snap of of any player in the league, even more than Cooper Cup or Debo Samuel. And the real big thing for Russell Gage for me is that Tom Brady routinely ranks among the top quarterbacks in the league in time to release. Like when you look at the PFF has the stats, it's like he he's number one pretty much every year. Last year, uh, Big Ben, you know, with no line, just running shotgun was number one. And I, it was some close to two seconds. Like he was literally just catch and throw. But Brady was number two. Right. So this is a guy that gets the ball up quickly and that plays right into Russell Gage's hands. So, I mean, and we're talking, what was the ADP you had there against him? 44. I mean, dude, like yeah, such an easy play for, you know, like you, you go out and you pick your three starting wide receivers and then you take this guy who can slot in your lineup at any given point and might even be in your lineup regularly. And then after that, you can just start shooting for the moon with just high risk, high reward guys. Cause you know, you have that guy that can fill in a, in a pinch and, you know, maybe not the sexiest guy, but like those, those picks are so important to uh, like allowing you to do the things you want to do with the rest of your bench. Right. Too many times I see guys, you know, taking all risky guys and then they don't know who to start or they take all similar guys. And then, you know, it's a nightmare deciding who to start. Like Russell Gage is a perfect guy to fill out a roster that lets you go and shoot for the moon with like the Sky Moors and all these other guys. Yeah, and I wanted to take a look to see how well three wide receiver sets played out for Tampa Bay last year. So weeks one through six, we essentially had Godwin, Evans, and Brown all on the field at the same time for weeks one through six. Brown missed week three, so he's, that's the only game kind of missing of that sample size. So you essentially have like a five or six game sample. Each of those three wide receivers on the field at the same time, they all averaged over five receptions, over seven and a half targets, and over 15 points in PPR scoring. And that was even with Fournette getting four targets a game and averaging 16 PPR points. So the volume is there. I mean, they averaged uh, 46 passing plays per 60 minutes of football last year. So there's just volume. And I'm not saying, you know, Antonio Brown equal sign Russell Gage. I'm not saying that at all. But just the opportunity is going to be there. And I think Gage is an above average possession guy so he's a cheap way to volume um with opportunity for significantly more upside yeah i like him definitely at his price point i mean you're talking about a guy who you know is split pretty much inside outside you he's pretty much thought of as a slot guy but he pl pretty much played uh, i think it was like 52 to 48 
outside and slot. So, I mean, it's a guy who's going to be versatile. Once we get Godwin back, you know, he can certainly mix, uh, mix and match into the slot there. But, I mean, on a scale, basically what was a skeleton crew in uh, Atlanta last year, I mean, that guy pretty much propped up a 30% target share uh, from week 11 on. So, I mean, Russell Cage, I mean, where else are you really going to get? Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about him. Trust me. Uh, there is another receiver that can uh, command a pretty high target share that we're going to talk about. But, uh, yeah, Russell Gage, with the amount of volume that this Tampa Bay offense is going to produce, um, you know, possibly without Godwin, who knows about Gronkowski. But, I mean, Russell Gage is just in, in a ready-made situation with Tom Brady and Mike Evans. This guy could be the volume, you know, Mike Evans hasn't really been the, the volume earner, but Russell Gage could absolutely be the volume earner and just pay off his ADP immediately. And then, you know, once we get the health uh, from Godwin, see what, what's going on with that. Maybe Gronkowski doesn't come back and we're rolling out Cayman Brait. I mean, Russell Gage is going to just be a, just a great, great bet at his ADP. For sure, man. And <clears throat> People think this guy's just a slot guy. He actually played more snaps out wide last year than he did in the slot, right? Yeah. Like he was in that situation already. That's why I, you can imagine they're pretty comfortable bringing a guy in to fill in for Godwin that just last year had to do the same things, right? right. Line up f- flanker, slot, whole deal, whatever you need. Yeah, and if you want to kind of put a bow on the Russell Gage argument, Tom Brady reached out to him. And Russell Gage like thought he was getting punked at first when it's like, hey, you know, it's Tom Brady. I want you to come play for the Buccaneers. So, Whoa. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're into that narrative – I mean, that's that's all I needed to hear right there. If Tom Brady wants him, he's going to get fed. I love a good narrative, dude. And I, the only thing I love more than narratives are rumors that are like almost certainly not true, but I still like to believe them. I love a good narrative. Like I love like the college coach gets hit player, you know, like a college quarterback with the wide receiver. And anytime it's like handpicked, I'm, sign me up, my man. So I, I'm putting that rumor right in my back pocket. I love that. Didn't, didn't quite work out with the Matt Rule, Robbie Anderson. That narrative was was sunk or, right away. Or the Terrace Marshall, Joe Brady, because Joe Brady got fired right away. But I still loved it. I still love it now. <laughs> Apparently, they're all gonna all all the sunk narratives happen in Carolina. But uh, that's right. This Coop. narrative, this narrative is legit, though. Yeah, Coop. Uh, what about you? Uh, one of your plant your flag players. Uh so so you know everyone would expect me to pick Evan Ingram, so I did not. Pick Evan Ingram here. I went with a different tight end. I went with Hunter Henry, right? And when I look at tight ends from a, uh, when I really like break them down and look at the individual players, because you have to take into account three different things for tight ends. You need to take into account their own talent, the scheme, and the opportunity, right? It's not like a wide receiver where you just talent rises to the top and you there's always at least two on the field, sometimes three, right? Like that's the thing with wide receiver. You can just bet on talent in these situations with tight end. You need the talent, the scheme and the opportunity. This is a guy who uh, lines up at wide receiver, a good chunk of snaps. He wins in man to man situations, which are there's certain guys like Robert Tunyon and, and Dalton Schultz. Very few of their catches come in man to man. They're more, they're like their success comes more as an ancillary piece versus uh, Hunter Henry, where 40% of his receptions were so come against uh, man-to-man, where he was able to lead the league in touchdowns for tight ends because he can beat his guy man-to-man in the red zone. Like That's the type of player that we want to see, right? And we've seen this offense, even without Josh McDaniels, I tweeted out earlier that the best tight end season of all time in fantasy football came with Bill Belichick coaching a team. Josh McDaniels wasn't even part of that. I don't see why in a second year, People like Mac Jones. They like what he does. 
that they can't grow that relationship and Hunter Henry can't be as good, if not better than he was last year. Now the scheme, he, they do have him block on some pass plays, which I don't love, but they line him up at wide receiver, which I do love. And opportunity wise, this guy was top two target on the team last year. I don't see why in a situation where they spread the ball around, do a lot of different things. He can't be one of the top couple targets on this team and lead the team in touchdowns once again. This is a guy where underdog best ball, he's going outside the top 12 tight ends. I think uh, tight end 16 or 17, depending on you know whether people feel like taking Cole Komet first or after him today or tomorrow. Uh, I think right now he's tight end 19, going after Komet and Njoko. I mean, you ha- in, in underdog especially, it's underdog season right now, use promo code ALARM. This is a situation where you have to take at least two to three tight ends. We've seen the numbers. You need at least two. And sometimes three, you have to take at least a tight end two. And this guy's going tight end 19. Anyone can have him. So plant flag for me. I don't see why, especially in best ball, where tight end touchdown dependency isn't that bad of a thing. He can't return big value at his ADP. I think especially that late, you want guys that can have that touchdown upside. I mean, he's 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 maxed out in his career. He's never topped more than like 650 receiving yards in his career. But, you know, we, we know he can be a touchdown threat. And I think... Having Mac Jones year two, just a, a good, reliable weapon. Hopefully that offense takes a bit of a step forward in his sophomore season at the quarterback position. I love it, especially that late. And we were kind of talking pre-show what some of our guys were, were excited for. When the price is that low, there's there's really no loss. There's really only upside at that point. And I think when you're that late at the tight end position, stacking a guy like that who can get you some touchdowns is, is a good way to go. Right. Like, yeah, that's the whole thing is that you're not, I'm not saying you could draft him as your number one tight end. He's tight end 19. You could draft him as your number three tight end, you know? But if you go out and get somebody like that is a, a target volume type player, like a Waller or an Ertz, then it's perfect to, uh, you know, throw in a touchdown guy because then you have the floor of the target guys, the Gaseckis and the Ertzes and the whoever, whoever it may be that you think can get consistent targets. Then you come back and get the guy where if he scores a touchdown that week, he's your guy. And if he doesn't, then you got the target guy in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody going that late, I mean, I'm looking at the guys that are around Hunter Henry right now. And you're looking at David and Joku, Tyler Higby, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett. I mean, that he just kind of pops off to me um, for tight ends in that range with, um, you know, the guy's going to be running about at least about 70% of the routes. Um, it also helps the guy that to have the guy that you paid 31 million guaranteed to be the best jumbo package tight end in the history of the NFL, John Smith. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see if he, uh, bumps up a little bit, but still I think Hunter Henry's route, uh, you know, routes are pretty insulated, uh, especially with, I mean, even you got Devontae Parker coming in you obviously got Jacoby Myers, but, um, you know, Hunter Henry, we know how they like to deploy those, the tight ends there. And he's the, that receiving, uh, archetype there. Uh, absolutely love him. I mean, like to, to your point, Coop, of course, uh, the receiving touchdowns, you want to pair that guy with a volume guy. I mean, that, there's no reason why he can't be a rock star number two tight end, at least in an underdog build, or even like you said, as low as a, as a tight end three. Um, yeah. Hunter Henry, the hand house will be rocking in 2022. Right. Like I look at some of these other guys and it's like, we want guys that are top two targets on their team, right? Uh, going, but you know, every top five tight end in fantasy has essentially been a top two target on his team besides Tunyon, who was two targets off the guy. And before that, Martellus Bennett in like 2014, we're talking pretty much all these high end guys are either leading their team in targets or at least being second. So when I look at this group of like, now all of a sudden you got like Pat Fryermuth and it's Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and 
George Pickens, and then it's Frymuth. It's like, why can't why can't Hunter Henry be that kind of guy? I don't mind in these best ball drafts waiting and taking some combination of like Komet, Njoku, Henry, Ingram versus some of these guys where, uh, you know, you're chasing a situation that has changed. Dallas got, I, I'm not sure if people noticed that, uh, that AJ Brown's on the Eagles now or Tyreek Hill is on the Dolphins now, but situations have changed, man. New, new information has come to light here. So this is a, uh, this is a totally different situation. And for me, I would rather wait and get the value than draft guys that I think are in a very similar situation. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've clicked this button, Coop. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. <laughs> there it is. New, it's come to light. I'm telling you guys. It's like people are ignoring these trades as if they didn't happen, as if these guys now are not clearly the third target. Like, what are, what are the targets for Mike Gusecki going to look like coming from Tua after Waddle and Hill, like if you like Mike Gusecki, then you must be drafting Tua in every league, right? I mean, Sam, what are your what are your thoughts on a situation like that? I think you brought up a good point, especially guys going around Hunter Henry that late. You talked about Njoku and a number of other players. We know what they are at this point. I mean, Njoku got paid. Good for him. I mean, that's awesome. You know, good for the man to get the bag. But we know who all those guys are around. You know, Fant, Higby. You know, Fan was and still, I think, is semi-viable in fantasy, especially in Dynasty, because of his um, his physical profile and things like that. But when we're talking redraft, we're talking underdog ADP. Give us the guy who we know has been a low-end tight end one who can score the touchdowns. And like you said, looking at how situations change, I'm all about, you know, either the elite tight end or wait forever. Because the difference between tight end like 8 and tight end 16 is negligible. If you don't have a top option, don't buy the tight end 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, because it's all going to be the same. You can get better value in your drafts anywhere else at different positions. Just wait and stack those late guys, and I think you're in a much better spot. Boom. Music to my ears, man. Music to my ears, because that's what that's like my whole selling. That's like my whole thing, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I and love I, hearing I you say it. that. I'm going to clip that. Last year. <laughs> I looked at it last year or the year before, and it was the end of year points per game. Like the difference between tight end 8 and tight end 16 was like less than two points per game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the tight end 16 could have caught two more touchdowns and jumped up to like tight end seven. Like that's how close that position generally is. And the teardrop off the top end is so sharp and then just flattens out forever until the end. Mm-hmm. That's why I do a, uh, a article every year called yin yang tight end is a strategy. Whereas you, you wait and then you take the best possible guy to start early season and you pair him with a high risk, high reward guy. And in past years, because there's certain guys out there you can't trust in week one. Like Mark Andrews when he first broke out, Darren Waller when he first broke out, you couldn't start those guys week one. You just you you couldn't trust them yet. So to, in order to get these type players, you have to go with a strategy like that, which is, you know, for instance, this year, Zach Ertz is going to be the perfect yin tight end, the safe guy with with Hopkins out. Because, you know, he's going to you can start you can trust him for the first few weeks, but you still want to pair him with somebody like an Evan Ingram where you can't trust Evan Ingram week one either. We don't even know what that team's going to look like. So it's like uh, you're playing right into right into my strategy here, Sam. I knew we brought you on here for a reason. I'm all about confirmation bias. That's what I'm That's doing right. for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love it. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite uh, wide receivers to talk about here. Of course, it's DJ Moore. Anybody who with a pulse last year uh, that followed any anything on my Twitter or podcast, lightning round, of course, um, I could not stop talking about DJ Moore. And he just seems to fall through the cracks every year. And it really has to do with one thing, who is throwing him the ball. 
Um, DJ Moore has pretty much everything else that you love. I mean, the get, dude almost gets a almost a 29% target share, almost 40% air yard share, runs 90% of the routes, is on the field all the time. Uh, 27% or sorry, 26% targets per route run, um, almost a two yards per route run. I mean, everything is in, in place for DJ Moore to be an elite wide receiver one, except for the quarterback. I mean, this guy has just been saddled with some of the worst upon the worst quarterbacking through after, after week four last year. I mean, Sam Darnold was just an, just an abomination. Uh, the first four weeks were fantastic for DJ Moore. It looked like he was about to take that uh, that Stephon Diggs kind of leap, but um, you know, and he's also produced even in an even worse, believe it or not, quarterback situation in 2019 when they had Will Greer and Kyle Allen and Cam Newton. He was still wide receiver 16, average 15 points, uh, fantasy points per game. So. I mean, we're hoping that Matt Corral can be that quarterback upgrade. Sam Darnold is still there for now, but we're literally just praying for that quarterback upgrade. And I think that is all it will take for DJ Moore to get some kind of stability, some kind of continuity. And then right now, I mean, he's going on uh, underdog at wide receiver 16 right now. I think I would still take him over guys like Michael Pittman. I would still take him over guys like Jalen Waddell. Um, I'd still take him over Mike Williams. I just don't think Mike Williams is that consistent. Um, I just don't think that's going to change in 2022. So uh, I still like him over Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson. I still have him as a borderline wide receiver one right now. So um, I'm still on the DJ Moore train. Um, you know, he's posted 1,100 yards and average 140 targets the last three seasons. Just please, if there's any kind of God in fantasy football land, get this man a quarterback. And you're so right, too. You're chasing all the right metrics. You're chasing the volume, the target share, you know, the yards per route run, all of those things. He's just never scored more than four touchdowns in a season. And I was actually talking about this today, about how un, unsticky uh, touchdowns are from year to year, whether it's rushing or, you know, receiving touchdowns. It's the least predictive thing that we that we really know. We can chase a lot of metrics and we can use a lot of predictive things to, to figure out where guys will fall. But it's a big difference. You know, let's just say he goes from four touchdowns to like nine touchdowns this year. And he keeps that same volume. He's absolutely oh, yeah. going to be a wide receiver one. And I, I have heard several people over the last couple of months say DJ Moore is an above average quarterback away from being my dynasty wide receiver three. And, and I think that's, that's fine. You know, if, if he had, you know, let's just say Deshaun Watson off the field issues aside, he were to go to Carolina and become the quarterback there. Yeah. It's, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson and whatever order you want. And then DJ Moore is immediately in that mix. 100%. It's just frustrating because he's, like you said, been saddled with some of the worst quarterback play ever. I even kind of forgot Will Greer was a thing until you just mentioned his name. So, yeah, it's he's a fine, safe wide receiver too, but the upside is obviously enormous. Yeah, I mean, if we can get those touchdowns, man, he's basically going to be the reverse Brandon Cooks, right? Like, Because that's what Brandon Cooks gives you. He gives you 1,000 yards every year, like clockwork. You know what I mean? And when he plays with Tom Brady or Drew Brees, he scores eight or nine touchdowns. And when he plays with Davis Mills, he scores you know, four, five, six. So, you know what I mean? And that's kind of where we're at with with DJ Moore is that like this guy is kind of the prototypical flanker in terms of, you know, four, four speed. It's got, you know, six feet. It's got all the size speed that you want. Um, you know, clearly he's he's shown that he can he can play in this league. And, you know, I think they they did a little experimenting in terms of switching him to like the the deep threat guy and using Robbie Anderson underneath. And that was more of a Teddy Bridgewater thing. I don't think it really worked out. And it didn't work out well for DJ Moore, at least. 
I think they're going to go back to this guy being the focal point of this attack as it should be. And we see dividends here. So I'm excited for like, this is a guy that you, you can't miss on. I, I like him a little more in redraft than best ball, just because of the nature of, of, you know, a guy like this. Um, you know, I, you can take Brandon cooks later as well. And they're kind of a similar guy in that sense, but in, uh, in dynasty, and in redraft, it's like, this is a guy I put in my wide receiver two spot and I just leave him there because I, I there's no reason to, you're not going to move him up. There's no reason to take him out. Like he's just a rock solid guy that you can depend on. So that's in dynasty. This is the exact kind of guys I'm looking for in leagues where I start three wide receivers because you start to realize in a 12 team league with three wide receivers, you pull up the rankings of the top 36 wide receivers those, those guys sitting at 35, 36 are not pretty. They did not have great years last year. Like if you look at, uh, you know, pull it up real quick right now. The wide receiver 36 last year was like Van Jefferson was 35. You know what right. I mean? So if Especially you're in a, when you throw in like multiple flex spots as well, if you have two or three flex spots, in addition to your three wide receivers, it gets yep. real thin real quick. Right. And then, Lana, he's in your Tyler Boyd was wide receiver 31. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're talking about, you don't even like the guys that are there. This guy's in your lineup. If you're a three wide receiver league, this guy's in your lineup every single week. Oh yeah. He's, he's said it and forget it. It's he's just, I hope we don't ever get to the point where we're like, oh, that's just not going to be it for DJ Moore. I mean, we're four years in, um, you know, he, he's got to produce and I get it. I don't want to just say, you know, well, whatever it's the quarterback situation. He's obviously good. So I'm not knocking DJ Moore at all, but I hope we just don't keep having this conversation every year about, well, it was another wide receiver 17 finish, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. We just want more. Right. But I mean, he was 163 targets last year. So the volume is there. He just yeah. needs to get in the end zone. Right. And he, he the other thing is that he's still young. He's like 25 years old. He came in so young, but he also signed the contract extension. So it's like, um, you know, like he, it's not like he can just leave after his rookie deal. He signed through 2024. I want to say 25, honestly. I want to say he's there. He's he's locked into that organization. So hopefully they can get him somebody to throw the ball because he can't just walk out of there unless he pulls a DeAndre Hopkins or something. Yeah. And he is he to me, he's the definition of uh, Ben Gretsch talks about this all the time being a small miss guy where you're gonna draft him, you know, in and around, you know, the teens and ADP, and he's not gonna deviate too far from that, especially, you know, with the consistency that Duke provides. But small miss, big hit. If he hits, if, he, if if they get some quarterback continuity, if get some touchdown, you know, regression, there you go. You're, he's, he's locked in. He's a top six guy. Right. You talk about, about the way you want to build your roster with a balance of like high risk, high reward guys. Like if you have DJ Moore and Russell Gage, where you can get Russell Gage much later too, that allows you to start take, taking crazy stabs. Go ahead and take Justin Ross or whoever you want. You know what I mean? Like, go shoot for the moon. Because at least, you know, you know these guys are going to fill out the lineup in those down weeks, you know? So uh, just something to think about when you're when you're building your own teams. Once you make the first couple picks, that should dictate how risky or conservative you're being with your later picks. For sure. Um, so I know we were, we're going to have Brett on. Obviously, Brett is uh, a little under the weather this uh, this evening. Uh, Coop, you want to talk about uh, one of the people that she added on to uh, the list? I know it's one of your favorite people to talk about, too. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Zeke Elliott then. Yeah, so she put Zeke on the list, man. I, I've been a big Zeke fan for a long time, man. And this is just one of those situations where, uh, you know, it's, it's so obvious why people don't like him. And it, it just continues to essentially prove them wrong. And even in best ball, right, where this is the argument I keep getting. 
I keep having people come to me and they say, well, he doesn't give you the spike weeks and you spike weeks. Uh, dude, you need to have multiple different types of players on your roster. The guy in Best Ball Mania 2 last year that came in second place. If you come in second place this year, you're winning a million dollars. This guy, his running backs were Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott, Trey Sermon, who is essentially a ghost, and Devin Singletary. Right, He had four running backs. One of them didn't exist. De Zeke Elliott was in his lineup 15 of 18 weeks, and one of those weeks was, his, was Zeke's bye week. So you're telling me that Zeke sucks for best ball, but this dude is sitting on a million dollars? Like You just draft guys on good offenses that are going to play and are going to score touchdowns. And before he tore his PCL last year, he recorded his fastest on-field speed since 2016 in week four against the Panthers. He's working out with some crazy guru, uh, you know, and he played through a torn PCL and was still RB7. I've never had some people be so upset about having a top seven running back. It, uh, it, it, it boggles my mind. You know, I'm rooting for Tony Pollard. If, you're, if your league has kick return yards, go crazy drafting Tony Pollard. I'm just saying that until Jerry Jones is done calling the shots there. Zeke Elliott is going to be the guy playing in the high leverage situations on goal line, on first down, on third down when, you know, there's pass blocking implications and Pollard can do end rounds and do all that stuff too, which is nice. But, you know, Zeke is a guy that's in a position on a good team to provide value. And that doesn't necessarily mean he has to have 180 yards and three touchdowns for you to win a million dollars like the dude did last year. Yeah, I'm with you on Zeke. I think it's a classic case of we often have this discussion of, well, player X is better in best ball. Or like, you know, we, we only ever think of like the ceiling and like, yeah, that matters, but you still got to score points. You can't just fill your lineup with Deshaun Jackson's and just hope for the best every week. You still need to have a floor. We kind of keep talking about roster construction and Zeke is the perfect guy for that. I mean, I'm, I'm a Wisconsin guy, so I was not, I've never been a big fan of Zeke coming out of Ohio State. Um, you know, he's in the NFC, whatever. He's been great for fantasy. But, I mean, his last four years of fantasy finish, RB5, 3, 9, 7, he hasn't had less than 65 targets in the last four years. Like, I love Tony Pollard, too, but Zeke's not going away, and he's an incredible pass blocker. We know about the injury last year. He's just going to be on the field a lot for one of the highest-scoring offenses, and he may have even more opportunities for pass catching this year. I'm just curious to see how this offense is going to work with likely no Gallup to start the year, no Amari Cooper. We want CeeDee Lamb to take that elite leap into being, you know, one of the top wide receivers in the game. But Zeke's going to be on the field a ton this year in, in a lot of situations, not just with Pollard. But yeah, he's he's undervalued, especially in redraft for sure. Bro, RB won six years in a row. Most rushing yards over the last six years. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here, man. When you rattle off, you just rattled off. They're paying him. That's the thing. Like, he's not you, you can argue how ridiculous the contract was for him just from a logistical team standpoint about paying running backs. But like you said, until Jerry Jones is not there anymore, Zeke's going to be heavily, heavily involved all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, looking at right now, he's RB 17 uh, on underdog. I mean, I would, I will say I'd rather have uh, him, the cam Akers. I'd rather have him, the James Connor, certainly with uh, the mentor, Daryl Williams there now. Uh, but that that's John Daigleism, by the way. Uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I think Zeke is still just criminally underpriced. It's just, it's a, for me, at least personally, it's a running back tier that I'm not getting a lot of, but I can understand 
how attractive, you know, that guaranteed work in a great offense that Zeke Elliott's going to be getting. I mean, it all, you know, the detractors, the, the, the Tony Pollard truthers, if you will, uh, we'll talk about how it's, you know, Tony Pollard is the, the metrics darling and has earned more work. I mean, we still have yet to see it. The money talks and the money's going to Zeke Elliott right now. So, uh, Say what you want. I think Zeke Elliott is still a value. I mean, I don't think he should be going in the fourth round by any stretch of imagination, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be due for a little price increase here as we get uh, later into the uh, spring and into the summer here. Oh, Kev, you're not getting a lot of running backs from that tier? That's absolutely shocking. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I have done a grand total of two full-on zero RB drafts. And That's I've it? it. That's, that is it. Yeah, I've done a lot of. I'm anchor, sure these are all anchor hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, but it's funny. I, I think I have one Zeke share of all, of all of that. I've just those are rookie numbers, man. You got to get those numbers up. Got to pump those numbers up, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm sorry. I've been drafting way too much. Uh, uh, David Montgomery. I'm sorry. I, Another I good cheap workhorse. Hundred percent. Exciting. Absolutely. Uh, Sam, so let's uh, hop over to you. Another one of your uh, plant your flag players. for Sure. Yeah. This is the biggest disparity I've found so far in, in underdog drafts and even just the dynasty startup drafts for sure. Jacoby Myers. So we're going back to the Patriots here. Jacoby finally. There we go. Patriots run the East. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, you know, it was allergic to scoring touchdowns through the first like season, couple seasons in the league. He finally scored two last year. Scored two touchdowns, finishes the wide receiver for 30. I mean, so he he was very, very productive on an offense with a rookie quarterback. And the only real addition they brought in was Devontae Parker. And Devontae Parker's fine. Um, I think the continuity that Myers represents with the offense, his role, and we know how valuable the slot role has been to that team for a while, even post-Tom Brady era for that team. Um, Roto Baller, I found, had a really interesting graphic that I pulled up. So Jacoby Myers ran like 80% of his routes from the slot and he scored 90% of his fantasy points from that position. So again, why does he for 30 with two touchdowns? And that even includes that game in Buffalo where Mac Jones attempted three passes. So again, you can, you can pull out outlier games. That's fine. I just can't imagine that he's going twice as late as his finish last year. He was even higher than wide receiver 62 the year before without scoring any touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 53. So he's still going later than, you know, a 729-yard season with no scores. So I, I just can't fathom why. And I get there's going to be some ADP adjustment as rookies come in. Everyone's hyped up on the next crop of rookies. And, yeah, that's going to push some established guys down. And I understand all of those things. But, again, like you're printing money at that point. There's no reason to not take a shot on Jacoby Myers at wide receiver 62 price in underdog when I think his floor is wide receiver 3. Like wide receiver 36 overall should be his floor. And he had like almost twice as many targets as anybody else on the team last year. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, yeah, produced. You know, we talked about Hunter Henry being the, the the touchdown guy, and that's fine. But you're just talking about volume. And depending on how you want to construct your roster that late, getting a guy who probably will be in your lineup as a wide receiver three or your first flex guy every single week, again, outside the top 60, it's free at that point for me. Yeah, and it's like th this is the exact same kind of guy really as Russell Gage where like if you just – if you're getting, doing an underdog draft and you go out and you're feeling froggy and you take like a Christian Watson or like a, a Kadarius Tony and you need that like come back to earth player, like what, 
That, that That's what will make you feel a little bit better about those high-risk, high-reward picks is coming back around and taking a guy that got 126 targets last year. And the offense is not only set to be built the same, but Sam, I got a little rumor for you. I know we like talking Ooh, rumors I'm here. all about the rumor mill. Let's go. Are they eating so, breakfast together? <laughs> actually, that was Hunter Henry and uh, oh, Hunter Henry and Mac Jones on Nantucket, man. So oh, yeah, that's, I should have mentioned that with mine. But um, so this is actually not a rumor as much as it is straight from the player's mouth. Uh, uh, Jacob Johnson, the fullback that replaced uh, Devlin, James Devlin, for the for the Patriots. Uh, he was a uh, international player that came over for the pathway program. They asked him this year, and he said that the Patriots told him that they're not using a fullback this year. So they didn't need his services, and you know they kind of sent him off. So that sure. is a big change, and we talked about that earlier, where yep. that that leaves more snaps, man. I mean, maybe they'll use Janu as a move tight end in that capacity at times, but sure. that that's just more snaps for for Jacoby Kendrick Bourne, like these guys. It's going to keep them on the field, man. I like as a fantasy football guy. I mean, like I love the Patriots, man, but like the, their offense at times. It would, it, it's just not, it wasn't conducive to fantasy. And I see the way that they're shifting now and, and the direction they're going. I think it's a little bit better in that sense. Uh, you know, it's like, I hate the, I, to a certain degree, I hate the Ravens. I like, you know, Mark Andrews and I like, you know, whoever the top wide receiver is, Rashad Bateman now. But after that, it's because of what they do. It's so desolate. You know what I mean? It's, you, you want the Rams. You want the coach to be like, these are the 11 guys. And if that guy gets hurt, this guy goes out there and he plays 90% of the snaps. Like, that's yep. what I want. I want Riverboat Ron using yep. 11 dudes until they're all hurt. So, yeah, that's good again, for like, I'm, I'm okay drafting boring players. I, I am. Like, I tend to be more of a, of a conservative drafter anyways, probably to my own detriment in some respects. But I'm like, look, the guy scores points. Like, it doesn't have to be hard at this point, mm-hmm. especially at that price point. I don't need anything flashy, especially in Dynasty or whatever format you want to play. I think we sometimes get too too clever. We try to get in our own way too many times and overthink things. Dude scores points. Dude's in my lineup. Dude's cheap. Like, that's fine. That, that's all I need, especially outside the top 60 wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I will fully admit um, on these airways that I am a uh, ageist. I am. I like the flashy. I'm a sizist. I like, I like the alphas. I can't help it. But You a big hand uh, size I, guy? Big hip, huge hand size guy. Okay. Excellent. Um, Excellent. No. Every Thanksgiving, I I have these all <laughs> all up on my uh, uh, refrigerator, yep. uh, just wall to wall. But anyway, we talk about boring, boring wide receivers. Jacoby mm-hmm. Myers is the boring wide receiver. I'll happily draft. Yep. Like we're talking about a guy that that has. Uh, you know, he's always on the field, ran 92% of the routes last year, uh, 23% target share in a perceived boring vanilla milk toast offense. Like Mac Jones is going to take another step up this year. Now they gave him another weapon in Devonte Parker. So you, you're taking some of this pressure off of, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick. Is he going to be calling the offensive plays? Is he going to be having more of a, a say in what this offense does? I mean, right now, Jacoby Myers is your best, you know, pass catcher at this point at this point in the game this is a guy that you have to feed so i think he's going to get over two touch i mean touchdowns like you said they're not sticky but i mean jacoby myers has to kind of get over that hump at some point if you're going to be a feature player if you're going to be getting that kind of volume to be getting that low you know touchdown totals it's things have to break a little more regression has to be coming too and even if you think like Devontae parker is going to assume the wide receiver one role and command like the lion's share of opportunity I still think you can't move Myers down that far. So like, I don't think Parker is going to be that big of a threat to Jacoby Myers workload, 
But even right. if you do think that way, I still don't think you can push Myers from his wide receiver 30 finish last year outside the top 60. Dude, that Devontae Parker rule, like I, I'm a big Devontae Parker guy. I liked him before he came here. I liked him more before he came here as well because that role is not what people think it is, man. That role is like go out there and tether your foot to the ground so that on the plays where we blocks and E had just like eat jams and, you know, like think about like Demir Bird, man. Like that dude was out there just getting punched in the in the throat. Like that was his job so that we could have just one tight end on the field for a play because you have to have seven guys tethered to the line. Like Nikhil Harry out there playing split guard or whatever he was doing. Like at times that, that setup is just not conducive to high-end fantasy production. And yeah, like Parker is the best one in that role, but that, like Belichick, I feel like he's got like a grudge against wide receivers. Like he just like he – I remember a quote where he was like, why are we going to pay a guy that only touches the ball five or six times a game? You know, like he, he, you know, he traded down twice. Mohammed yeah, they did. He traded a, yeah, he traded a <laughs> second, second. Yeah. But the, at the time the Patriots were such a right. wagon that our second is like, if anyone else offered a third, like if we offer a third at the time, because our pick was, you know, it's the same thing now with like, say the bills, yeah. like if you're the bills and you offer a third, Anyone else's third is more valuable than is yours. Better. Absolutely. So yeah, you have to offer a second now. Yeah. So that's what happened. That that's my that's my explanation for that terrible, 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 terrible trade that they did. But um, yeah, I mean, like that's just that's just the way he's always been, man. So I like I really don't see a situation where where Parker goes out and has 150 targets or, or if anyone's going to have that level of targets, it's gonna be Jacoby. Not even Hunter Henry, who I like. Like Hunter Henry for me. The high end for him would be like a hundred targets, probably. You know, and he can work with that. Yep, hundred percent. Um, I'm going to talk about one of my guys here, and it's uh, I'm going to dip in my toes into the tight end pool here. Talk about Dalton Schultz. Um, last year, Dalton Schultz ranked sixth among tight ends in targets, receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, PPR points, and points per game. I mean, the dude ran almost. Uh, we we love that benchmark of as far as routes run of eighty percent. Dalton Schultz was almost there. He was at seventy seven and a half percent routes run percentage throughout the year. Up to 100 targets, you know, we we all thought that Blake Jarwin is going to be that guy. Or, uh, of course, Linda, we uh, pour one out for you uh, and your Blake Jarwin love. But uh, and ended up being Dalton Schultz. And right now, I mean, we'll have Michael Gallup on the men. We've we've seen some stuff. Wow, he might not be ready until, you know, October and possibly November. So right now you're looking at CeeDee Lamb and then whether it's Jalen Tolbert, whether it's James Washington. Dalton Schultz can be the top two target on this vaunted Dallas offense for a majority of the year. I mean, that and, and this is a guy that's going to be going, you know, at he's tight end six right now in underdog. I think that's about where he should be going, but he's been, he's been climbing a little bit, at least in the last couple of weeks. I have him above Hawkinson. I think he's clear above Hawkinson. Uh, when you're talking about tight ends in that range, obviously Goddard took a hit uh, when AJ Brown was traded at the draft, but um, yeah, give me Dalton Schultz. I absolutely love, um, you know, being able to get a guy like that. That still kind of has that perception of being under the radar. He's not going to be that athletic, you know, guy like a Darren Waller or uh, Mark Andrews. He's probably more in that, you know, that maybe that George Kittle kind of range where, you know, he's going to be out there too. He's always going to be out in the field. 
Um, you know, that guy, like I said, we want the top two targets uh, among our tight ends, and Dalton Schultz can absolutely be that. And he's got a clear path. He could be that the full season if Michael Gallup's, um, you know, injury woes or, you know, James Washington doesn't uh, impress or Jalen Tolbert doesn't take to uh, in his first year. I was going to pick Dalton Schultz when you sent me the show doc talking about how, you know, pick a couple of guys were high on and I saw that you already picked him. So, I mean, he was, he was going to be in contention for me for this exact conversation. So you touched on everything and I don't really think it's a hot take to say that, I mean, Dalton Schultz could be the tight end three this year in redraft. So, I mean, normally I don't mind passing on those middling tight end options. Like we talked about before, like once you get past the top four or five ish, I'm fine waiting. I'm okay. Taking him at, at cost, even a touch earlier. I mean, you know, it would be like Kelsey and Andrews for me as the top two in redraft this year in whatever order you want. But then give me Dalton Schultz as the wide or the tight end three, you know, ahead of Pitts, ahead of Kittle, clearly ahead of Hawkinson for me. He did what he did last year with more competition for targets. And I, I get the whole there are too many mouths to feed narrative, but guys that are good are going to earn targets. And he's, I mean, he's Zach Ertz. He's not uber athletic. He's not going to wow you with yards after the catch but he's going to be heavily targeted, a great possession receiver. His yards after catch are not going to be great, but they don't have to be just because of his role in that offense. And I love the continuity there. I love that Kellen Moore came back to Dallas just from a fantasy perspective because, yeah, his offensive game plan has been skewed. Sometimes I think he's been kind of outcoached in the second half of games for how their offense tends to run. But I think for Dak and having just that continuity of his coaching staff, being down Amari Cooper, likely Michael Gallup, yeah, like you said, top two targets on his team, Dalton Schultz, absolutely. Yeah, I, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, I'd love to see him uh, take a step forward as far as like beating guys in man-to-man situations, but now he's going to get an opportunity to play more slot, play more wide receiver now that they're you know down Amari. And uh, to the point, as far as Gallup goes, like we've actually seen guys like Robert Woods out of OTAs, which aren't even mandatory. Uh, you know, They recovered. Jerry Jones came out and said – that he doesn't expect Michael Gallup to be ready for week one. Something along those lines of like, you know, we need to prepare to be without him. There's absolutely no reason for him to come out and say that unless he, unless he truly believes that's the timeline. Like these guys always want to say, we hope to have him or nothing, or you just say nothing at all for him to come out and say, we don't think he's going to be here. That tells us pretty much everything we need as far as what his timeline's looking like. So and usually negative news at this time of the year means more. I mean, because everyone looks great. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's catching on to the playbook sooner than they did. Mm-hmm. But when it's negative, especially with an injury, yeah, that, that right. raises more flags than not. There's no reason to say it, too, because it's like, think about if you really think about it, 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 there's, you know, we're still technically three months out. So he could have easily just said, we don't know, you know, we're hoping to have him. Instead, he said, we don't think we're going to have him. So that tells me that it's not likely. So you were talking about CeeDee Lamb in a new position where he's getting the 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 highest level of coverage. No Amari, you know, rookie Jalen Tolbert, James Wishy Washington, and um, you know, and then of course uh Michael Gallup when he gets back. So for me, he's definitely in that situation. I, I see no reason at ADP to draft Darren Waller or George Kittle at this point. Right. I'm just I'm just not doing it. George Kittle, man. Not only does he block on 15% of his pass pass plays in that offense, but he quietly has been dropping a lot of passes. I usually don't even care about drops, but uh, you know, he hasn't been the guy that that he was, you know, and this is a guy who really needs those monster touchdowns to 
be the guy that he's been because the volume isn't really there for him. What's been propping him up is these crazy 65, 70-yard touchdowns that he's had multiple of, more than any other guy by a lot. He's had like eight, and the next closest guy has had like three. Travis Kelsey hasn't had... Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz haven't had like a 50-yard catch in half a decade. You know what I mean? Like those guys are volume guys. Kittle, he doesn't get the volume, and I don't think he's going to get... You know, you can't really bank on those plays. So for me, I'm not super interested in him. Like you said... I'm interested in Schultz and Hawkinson. And then after that, uh, you know, wait for I'm, your boy, Hunter Henry. I'm waiting, man. I'm not taking Goddard. I'm yeah. not taking Knox, Ertz, Fryermuth. I mean, that whole group there, Gusecki. Yep. No, 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 no. And kind nope. of your last point about Gallup, too. There's incentive for the team to not rush him back. I mean, they paid him. So mm-hmm. I kind of view Gallup and Goddard in the same way. They both got good contracts in the offseason with the teams knowing they were hurt. So I think that says a lot about how they feel about them long-term and how there's zero incentive to try to rush them back because they're a heavily invested player at this point. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, Coop, you can either go with yours or uh, I can go with uh, Brits. I'll do mine and then we'll talk about Brits after. So figured we got to round out, you know, there's four core, four positions here, unless you guys want to talk about Kyle Juszczyk. So we got to talk about a uh, no. Like, all right. Zero. Hey, you know what? He just made the, one of the zero RB lists on Fantasy Pros. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. That's super exciting. I'll make sure to definitely check that out. Um, <laughs> if, my, if, if I mean, if you have a league that is a mandatory fullback slot, he's got to be the best one, right? Fullback he's, one. Fullback one. FE1. Next um, to Alec Ingold. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about a quarterback here, uh, and I'm going to talk about Derek Carr. Now, I'm not at all concerned. I mean, you know, you hear what they're saying. I'm not at all concerned about um, Colin Kaepernick. I'm not concerned about the, you know, any packages or any issues like that. I think Derek Carr is going to be a starting quarterback for this team. I trust Josh McDaniels to put together a good offense here. And when you think about Derek Carr, this is a guy that has fairly consistently been up there in completion percentage. You see it in the Scott Fishbowl which is, is full of industry uh, leaders, sharp people, drafting this guy super high because that format has penalties for incompletions and positives for completions. Derek Carr in the format like that is is killer, right? And that's a situation for this guy where he's always had that ability, right? He's always had a decent quarterback rating. He's always been a decent player. They've been trying to get this guy weapons and essentially – you know, you had, they bring in Antonio Brown. He freezes his feet off and calls the GM a cracker, right? Like just completely ridiculous, right? The guy's gone. They draft Henry Ruggs. That guy's in jail. First round pick in jail. They draft uh, Brian Edwards in the third round. They had to trade him away. They draft Lynn Bowden in the third round. They have to trade him away. Their best player this during this whole period, the best two players in this whole period are, um, you know, are, Darren Waller, a guy who washed out of the league on substance abuse and came back, and then freaking Hunter Renfro, who looks like freaking Dustin Pedroia, looks like a pen salesman. I mean, it's like, what is what is happening? They finally bring in Devontae Adams. This guy has a real weapon, a guy he's familiar with, and he gets to keep these other two guys who he basically made stars. I mean, he made Hunter Renfro wide receiver 10. I imagine Devontae Adams can do pretty good with this guy, right? So for me, if we like... Uh, you know, and people seem to like Hunter Renfro still. They seem to like Darren Waller. If we like Hunter Renfro, if we like Darren Waller, if we like Devonta Adams, you have to like Derek Carr. I sent a tweet out the other day. The last time a team had a two top 24 wide receivers and a top five tight end 
was 2013 uh, Broncos and Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdown passes. Do I think Derek Carr is going to do that? No. Absolutely. But <laughs> I'm saying it right. I'm saying it right now, and you can clip it. No. Book it. Book it. 55. I'm saying that if you do like all those players, if so facto, Derek Carr shouldn't be QB 15. That's can, I, can I add some? Can I add some fun stats to back up that Derek Carr take? Because I am Please. totally on board. So here we go. Over the last two seasons, Derek Carr has been among qualified quarterbacks seventh in passing attempts, seventh in completions, sixth in passing yards, fourth in completion percentage, eleventh in passing touchdowns, and eleventh in passer rating. I mean, so he's top tw- top twelve in every major quarterback statistic, essentially. QB one across the board, all stats. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he's been like he's been the perfect like I was talking about Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are the perfect quarterback twos and superflex, and they're fine streamers in one quarterback leagues. Like they're fine. Like mm-hmm. if you just want to totally go like zero quarterback in a redraft league and just take Derek Carr at the end of your draft or Kirk Cousins at the end of your draft, maybe not this year because they're probably going to be a little bit more pricey than you know taking them last round. I mean, these guys are perfect for that. So yeah, absolutely, I'm totally with you on Derek Carr. Right. You you reverse engineer it with these guys, so it's like the way I look at it, like if I'm going to be the guy that that takes Jalen Hurts, you know, or Trey Lance or something and try and be that and try and be that guy that shoots the moon, I'm also so going to Kevin Tompkins. If I'm going to be, a, if I'm going to pull a Kevin Tompkins here and take Jalen Hurts at QB nine, I'm going to turn around and take Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins as my second QB. And then know that I have, I mean, Kirk Cousins last year, his passing numbers, just passing were like identical to uh, Josh Allen. And like, uh, and like, and Aaron Rodgers, like the, not that far off from those guys in terms of, uh, in terms of across the board numbers that you care about for the pass catchers, right? Like, um, you know, obviously it's the rushing that moves the needle on those guys. So if you take somebody risky early, like Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, come back and take one of these other guys. And I'm doing the same thing the other way around, where if I take my first quarterback is Matt Stafford or Aaron Rodgers, then I turn around and I take like a Deshaun Watson or a Tua or Justin Fields and I try and do it that way. Same thing we talked about with tight ends. Like give yourself a chance, grab somebody that you can trust and then give yourself a chance to at, at a league winner. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am slightly disappointed in you, Coop, because you didn't you failed to mention the one of the biggest narratives in the entire offseason, the neighbor narrative for Devontae Adams and Derek Carr now. Go on. They are literal next door neighbors now, bro. That's like that's the same thing as Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Where Jamar did Chase, you not was like, see the picture of them and their cars together in the driveway? No, I like, did not see this. Are they like legitimate? Like four or five days neighbors? after that trade, what? like that is a real thing. That Eric is our quarterback. Hashtag one, five touchdowns. Book it. Did he do the same thing that Jamar Chase did, where he just walked up and down the street asking people if he could buy their house until someone said yes? <laughs> I'm not I, sure how that whole thing went down, but uh, they are next door neighbors for sure. I mean, th- he only threw 23. T- he was b- well below expectation for the amount of passes that he threw. He was, I believe, seven touchdowns below expectation. So he should have had his first uh, 30 touchdown season since 2015, the year that, um, you know, we were thinking. I think that was the year he, sh- he was at least in the MVP race. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the weapons that he has with Josh McDaniel now, they have to tailor some kind of uh, plan for him because, I mean, Derek Carr, he threw for 4,800 yards last year. Like I said, most interceptions he's thrown, but he is a rock solid with the weapons that he has. Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter, you know, certified public accountant, Hunter Renfro. There's no reason why Derek Carr can't be 
flirting with QB 12. And then if he gets, if he gets the touchdowns, if this offense keeps going the way he went last year, why he can't go even further. I forgot why, why would I even ask that? Um, Devontae, with the contract Devontae Adams got, he could have bought the whole street if he really wanted to, you know what I mean? Like it was, what is $140 million? So yeah, I'm sure he had no problem getting whatever house he wanted in that neighborhood. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Uh, Brett had one more running back and it's a running back that I happen to be on. Uh, and that's JK Dobbins. So we know that the Baltimore Ravens failed in their quest to try to get, uh, Melvin Gordon, but you know, JK Dobbins is coming off of injury. The one that he suffered in training camp, certainly, um, we know running backs tied to mobile quarterbacks, um, you know, it's it's very very not it's not good for uh any kind of receiving work and jk dobbins never really got that anyway uh but looking at what they did they traded away marquise brown um they didn't really replace him with anything else in the offense they drafted a couple you know mid-round tight at mid to late round tight ends and uh charlie kohler and isaiah likely so uh it's looking like, you know, that 11% spike that the Baltimore Ravens had in their pass play uh, percentage last year, that might be coming back down a little bit. And I think this offense is going to be a lot more run heavy than uh, we're going to get a, a shades back into 2020. So um, can that benefit someone like J.K. Dobbins? Absolutely. Even without the passing game work, I still think that uh, between him, uh, Gus Edwards is still on the men too. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, I still think that there's a lot of room in this offense for a guy that, J, you know, JK Dobbins is a big play, uh, waiting to happen in this offense. And you add volume into that. Um, I don't think that the split between him and Gus Edwards is going to be so pronounced. Um, even if JK Dobbins is getting 62, 65% of the runs in this offense, I still think that there's absolutely, uh, multiple ways for JK Dobbins to pay off RB 21 in this off in, in, on underdog and in this offense. I really, really like JK Dobbins as one of my, uh, you know, later round running backs, you know, we're getting into the third round, getting into the fourth round where I will draft three wide receivers or draft two wide receivers in the tight end and then pick up J.K. Dobbins as my my RB1 that can absolutely get into that top 12. I mean, there's no reason why he can't be. Yep, I'm in the same boat. You you summed it up. And I think that, that to your last point, that's where I really fall in line is your roster construction. He represents someone who I am more than okay with my RB1 depending on how my first couple of rounds go. So if you really load up early, whether it's wide receivers, you go two wide receivers and an elite tight end, however you want to do it, I'm very much okay with Dobbins being my RB1 based on the roster that I'm probably building at that point. Yep. And like this guy, when you think about all the, all the stats that we that makes us like guys like Nick Chubb and like guys like Javante Williams in terms of, especially in terms of a best ball specialty breakaway run rate, like that's this guy. Like he was obviously hurt last year, but year before that, his, his breakaway run rate was silly. It was like forty percent. Like so, like forty percent of his carries, he's running for a first down. You know what I mean? Like this guy has that innate ability to to bust off big runs. The between the tackles guys. I know Gus Edwards. He's such an in- interesting anomaly with his size. At his size, five point two yards per carry or whatever it is per career. But I don't think that's going to hold them back from being you know, the team that they can be, the run-heavy team they can be, that actually broke a 40-year-old record. My Patriots, 1978 Patriots, something like that, had the record for most 
rushing yards in a season as a team. And this Ravens team with these players broke that record. So I don't see why this team can't go back to doing that. It's what Greg Roman was born to do. Like that's all he wants to do. Last year, Greg Roman was probably the most uncomfortable he's ever been having to actually throw the ball every once in a while. So I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what Dobbins looks like for me. I'm, I like him better as my, as in best ball, at least when I have, somebody safe like so he's he's an upside guy for me like a spike week guy like this is a guy if you look at the the last game he played it was like the ultimate spike week it was like what is it like 200 yards and two touchdowns or something crazy like that like he had it he, he's capable of monster runs and monster games so when i take somebody safe early on like say i take aaron jones i turn around and i'm like okay let's take some juice here like let's take jk Dobbins or travis Etienne. like that's he that's the kind of player he is for me where I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to, I have somebody safe. I need to take somebody a little spicy here. And I think that Dobbins can definitely get you those spike weeks. And that's all it takes really down the stretch is you got to make the playoffs to, and then weeks 15, 16, 17, get some spike weeks. And this could be that guy easily. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, those were our, uh, our, plant your flag players of course sam uh thank you for coming on my friend let us know where we can find um everything you are doing right now yeah thank you so much again this was a good time i appreciate you guys both for inviting me on and uh yeah over on twitter at s wallace underscore ff and you can find all of my work now just right over at the fantasy life newsletter so at mb fantasy life on twitter I believe is technically the twitter handle i feel like i should know this more specifically but um <laughs> um yeah and be fantasy yeah. life. Yeah, and be fantasy life. There we go. I got it. So yeah, obviously Kevin, you and I are doing a lot of work over there together. So I'm I'm very very excited for what is going to be an awesome off season. There's a ton of things going on behind the scenes that we know of that we're we're slowly kind of starting to feed out to the community. But otherwise, yeah, check out the free newsletter. It's is literally free. You will find a ton of content that is going to be moving to, I believe, every day of the week pretty soon, delivered to your mailbox bright and early every morning with a ton of stuff in it, and it's it's cool. There's website coming as well i'm very very excited so very thrilled and humbled to have my opportunity to be over there doing a lot of work and we'll we'll see how it goes when we have matthew berry on i'm telling him that you forgot the uh that you forgot the tag well here's the thing i (laughs) i got it right and then i second guessed but i was right the first time all right all right all right we we like to we like to play tricks you know what we should have did here we should have picked terrible players for brit and then just bashed them (laughs) that's the right time Next time, Next like, like Marcus Valdez Scantling, like <laughs> rock brilliant on, signing go. by the Chiefs. Packers should have let him go, but anyway. Well, thank yeah. you guys, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And speaking of Matthew Berry, we will be having him next week. Um, so we're going to be talking about exactly where it's it's fantasy life week uh, in the next two weeks. So, um, of course, that's going to be an earlier start. That is going to be four p.m uh eastern time so uh we will be on a little bit earlier uh than your typical uh lightning round stream so uh, of course we'll be pumping that up big time for uh the talented mr roto himself um so uh for andrew cooper i'm kevin topkins of course for mr sam wallace you can find him the fantasy life newsletter find me on there as well uh go subscribe because it's absolutely 100 free and there's no reason for you not to subscribe to the fantasy life newsletter we're doing some great work ramping up 
Uh, it's going to be a fun off season heading into the season. So uh, what are you waiting for? Uh, click off of this, go over there, sign up right now. We will see you next week for Mr. Matthew Berry. Uh, again, for Coop, for Sam, I am Kevin Topkins, and I will say this because uh, Coop got to do it last time. Toodles. Toodles.